Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of the Mr. Dog Podcast, where we read Albert Bigelow Payne's classic Victorian-era stories about the hollow tree and the animal friends that live there. Payne wrote three books of hollow tree stories, one for each of his three daughters. The last story in the series is called Christmas at the Hollow Tree Inn, and it's that wonderful final story that has been read aloud in my family for three generations now, every Christmas Eve. I'm Henry Cordes, and this is the Mr. Dog Podcast, produced by That's So Enterprises. Today we have a story that's simply called The Third Snowed-In Story, but I think that you will find it a little bit familiar. Jackrabbit tells this one, and in that charming, particular way of his, he clears up a few misconceptions that we human folk seem to have gotten lost in over the years. Here we are. This is the third Snowden story. The little lady waited until the storyteller had lit his pipe and sat looking into the great open fire, where there was a hickory log so big that it had taken the storyteller and the little lady's mother, with two pairs of ice tongs, to drag it to the hearth and get it into place. Pretty soon the little lady had crept in between the storyteller's knees, and then in another minute she was on one of his knees helping him rock. And then she said, Did Mr. Rabbit tell his story next? He promised to tell about losing his tail, you know. The storyteller took his pipe from his mouth a moment and sat thinking and gazing at the big log, which perhaps reminded him of one of the limbs of the hollow tree, where the coon and possum and the old black crow lived and had their friends visit them that long-ago snowy Christmas time. Why, yes, he said, that's so. Mr. Rabbit did tell that story. When Mr. Coon got through telling how he came near getting into a menagerie, they all said that it certainly was a very narrow escape, and Mr. Coon said he shouldn't wonder if that menagerie had to quit business just because he wasn't in it. Mr. Possum said he thought if anything would save a menagerie, that would, for it would keep them from being eaten out of house and home. Then Mr. Coon said that if that was so, Mr. Possum had saved at least three menageries by staying right where he was in the big deep woods. This made Mr. Squirrel and Mr. Robin laugh, and the rest wondered what those two gigglers had noticed that was funny. And then they all walked over to the window and looked at the snow banking up outside and piling up on the bare limbs of the big trees. They said how early it got dark this time of year, especially on a cloudy day. And pretty soon Mr. Crow said that they had just about time for one more story before supper. And then Mr. Rabbit ought to tell now about how, a long time ago, his family had lost their tails. Mr. Rabbit didn't seem to feel very anxious to tell it, but they told him that he had promised and that now was as good a time as any. So they went back and sat down and Mr. Rabbit told them the true story of the hare and the tortoise and how Jack Rabbit lost his tail. Once upon a time, he said, a great many grandfathers back, my family had long bushy tails like Mr. Squirrel and Mr. Fox, only a good deal longer and finer and softer and very handsome. When Mr. Rabbit said that, Mr. Squirrel sniffed and twitched his nose, 
and gave his nice bushy tail a flirt, but he didn't say anything. Mr. Rabbit went right on. Well, there was one fine, handsome rabbit who had the longest and plumiest tail of any of the family and was very proud of it. He was my 27th great-grandfather and was called Mr. Hare. He was young and smart then and thought he was a great deal smarter than he really was, though he was smart enough and handsome enough to set the style for all the other rabbits. And not much ever happened to him because he could beat anything running that there was in the big deep woods. That 27th great-grandfather of mine was very proud of his running, and used to brag that in a foot race he could beat anything that lived between the wide grasslands and the edge of the world. He used to talk about it to almost everybody that came along, and one day when he met one of the turtle family, who used to be called Mr. Tortoise in those days, he stopped and began to brag to him how fast he could run, and how nobody in the big deep woods dared to race with him. But Mr. Turtle, he just smiled a little and said, Oh, pshaw, you can't run very fast. I believe I can beat you myself. Well, that did make Grandfather Hare laugh. It made him a little mad, too. You, he said, why, I'll give you within ten yards of that rail fence of Mr. Man's half a mile away, and then beat you across it. Just travel along, and sometime this afternoon, when you get down that way, I'll come back and let you see me go by. But you'll have to look quick if you see me, for I'll be going fast. But Mr. Tortoise said he didn't want any start at all, that he was ready to begin the race, race right then. That made Grandpa Hare laugh so loud that Mr. Fox heard him as he was passing and came over to see what the fun was. And then he said he didn't have much to do for a few minutes and that he'd stay and act as judge. He thought a race like that wouldn't last long, and it didn't, though it wasn't all, at all the kind of race he had expected. Well, he put Mr. Tortoise and my 27th great-grandfather side by side, and then he stood off and said, go, and thought it would all be over in a minute. Grandpa Hare gave one great big leap about 20 feet long and then stopped. He was in no hurry, and he wanted to have some fun with Mr. Tortoise. He looked around to where Mr. Tortoise was coming, straddling and panting along, and he laughed and rolled over to see how solemn he looked, and how he was traveling as if he meant to get somewhere before dark. He was down on all fours so he could use all his legs at once, and anybody would think, to look at him, that he really expected to win that race. The more my Grandpa Hare looked at him, the more he laughed, and then he would make another long leap forward and stop and look back, and wait for Mr. Tortoise to catch up again. And then he would call to him, or maybe go back and take roundins on him and say, Come along there, old tobacco box, are you tied to something? Mr. Fox would laugh a good deal, too, and he told my ancestor to go on and finish the race, that he couldn't wait around there all day. Pretty soon, he said, if they were going to fool along like that, he'd just go down to the fence and take a nap till they got there and for Grandpa Rabbit to call to him when he really started to come, so he could wake up and judge the finish. Mr. Fox, he loped away to the fence and laid down, and went to sleep in the shade. And Grandpa Hare thought it would be fun to pretend to be asleep, too. 
I've heard a story told about it that says that he really did go to sleep, and then Mr. Tortoise went by him and got to the fence before he woke up. But that is not the way it happened. My 27th great-grandfather was too smart to go to sleep. And even if he had gone to sleep, Mr. Tortoise made enough noise pawing and scratching along through the grass and gravel to wake up 40 of our family. My ancestor would wait until he came grinding along and got up even with him. Then suddenly he'd sit up as if he'd been waked out of a nice dream and say, Hello, old coffee mill. What do you want to wake me up for when I'm trying to take a nap? And then he would laugh a big laugh and make another leap, and lie down and pretend again with his fine plumy tail very handsome in the sun. But Grandpa Hare carried the joke a little too far. He kept letting Mr. Tortoise get up a little closer and closer every time, until Mr. Tortoise would almost step on him before he would move. And that was just what Mr. Tortoise wanted, for about the next time he came along, he came right up behind my ancestor. But instead of stepping on him, he gave his head a quick snap, just as if he were catching fish, and grabbed my grandpa hair by that beautiful plumy tail, and held on and pinched. And my ancestor gave a squeal and a holler and set out for that rail fence, telling his troubles as he came. Mr. Fox had gone sound asleep, and didn't hear the rumpus at first. And when he did, he thought grandpa was just calling to him to wake up and be ready to judge the race. So he sat up quick and watched them come. He saw my 27th great-grandfather sailing along, just touching the highest points, with something that looked like an old black washpan tied to his tail. When Mr. Fox saw what it was, he just laid down and laughed, and rolled over and then hopped up on the top rail and called out, All right, I'm awake, Mr. Hare. Come right along, Mr. Hare. You'll beat him yet. And then he saw my ancestor stop and shake himself, and paw and roll over to try to get Mr. Tortoise loose, which of course he couldn't do, for as we all know, whenever any of the turtle family get a grip, they never let it go till it thunders, and this was a bright day. So pretty soon, Grandpa was up and running again, with Mr. Tor Tortoise sailing out behind, and Mr. Fox laughing to see them come, and calling out, Come right along, Mr. Hare, come right along, you'll beat him yet. But Mr. Fox made a mistake about that. Grandpa Hare was really ahead, of course, when he came down the home stretch. But when he got pretty close to the fence, he made one more try to get Mr. Tortoise loose, and gave himself and his tail a great big swing. And Mr. Tortoise didn't let go quite quick enough, and off came my 27th grandfather's beautiful plumy tail, and away went Mr. Tortoise with it, clear over the top of the fence and landed in a briar patch on the other side. Well, Grandpa Hare was in such a state as you never heard of. He forgot all about the race at first, and just raved about his great loss, and borrowed Mr. Fox's handkerchief to tie up what was left, and said that he never in the world could show his face before folks again. And Mr. Fox stopped laughing as soon as he could, and was really quite sorry for him, and even Mr. Tortoise looked through the fence and asked him if he didn't think it could be spliced and be almost as good as ever. He said he hadn't meant to commit any damage, and that he hoped Mr. Hare would live to forgive him, and that now there was no reason why my grandpa shouldn't beat him in the next race. And then my ancestor remembered all about the race, and forgot his other loss for a minute, and declared that 
Mr. Tortoise didn't win the race at all, that he couldn't have covered that much ground in a half day alone, and he asked Mr. Fox if he was going to let that great straddlebug ruin his reputation for speed and make him the laughingstock of the big deep woods, besides all the other damage he had done. Mr. Fox scratched his head and thought about it, and said he didn't see how he could help giving the race to Mr. Tortoise, for it was to be the first one across the fence, and that Mr. Tortoise certainly was the first one across, and that he'd gone over the top rail in style. Well, that made Grandpa Hare madder than ever. He didn't say another word, but just picked up his property that Mr. Tortoise handed him through the fence, and set out for home by a back way studying what he ought to do to keep everybody from laughing at him, and thinking that if he didn't do something, he'd have to leave the country or drown himself, for he had always been so proud that if people laughed at him, he knew he could never show his face again. And that, said Mr. Rabbit, is the true story of that old race between the hare and the tortoise, and of how the first rabbit came to lose his tail. I've never told it before and none of my family ever did. But so many stories have been told about the way those things happen that we might just as well have this one, which is the only true one so far as I know. Well, then Mr. Rabbit leaned back, and Mr. Dog said it was a fine story, and he wished he could have seen that race. And Mr. Turtle looked as if he wanted to say something, and did open his mouth to say it, but Mr. Crow spoke up and asked what happened after that to Mr. Rabbit's 27th great-grandfather, and how was it that the rest of the rabbits had short tails, too? And then Mr. Rabbit said that that was another story, and Mr. Squirrel and Mr. Robin wanted him to tell it right away, but Mr. Crow said they'd better have supper now. And Mr. Possum thought that was a good plan, and Mr. Coon, too. And then they all hurried around to get up some sticks of wood from downstairs and to set the table, and everybody helped, so they could get through early and have a nice long e evening. And all the time the snow was coming down outside, and piling higher and higher, and they were being snowed in without knowing it, for it was getting too dark to see much when they tried again to look out the window through the gloom of the big deep woods. <laughs> That's our show. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with a new episode in two weeks, when we'll get to the second half of Jackrabbit's Tale. <clears throat> in the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud if you'd like a notification when we have a new show for you. If you like the show, please give us a rating on iTunes and let your friends know, too. You can follow Mr. Dog on Facebook and Instagram. We'd love it if you dropped us a note there to say hi. Our handle is at Mr. Dog's Christmas. For more about Mr. Dog, please go to MrDogsChristmas.com. Again, that's MrDogsChristmas.com. This has been the Mr. Dog Podcast, a presentation of That's So Enterprises. I'm Henry Cordes. Okay.